Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue Ngo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. I'm Dina Sargent, the host of Family and Parenting, but today I'm taking over Lou's shows, and we're going to be talking about our love of learning. And who better to ask than our amazingly talented host of our home organization and household management podcast, Gabriella Yostra. Thank you so much for joining today, Gabs. Hi, um, thank you for having me. Um, I always love coming on other podcasts and have, not having to do any work. Yeah, no, it, it was stressful for me, but it was easy for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so your love of learning, mm-hmm. and this is why we thought you were the perfect person to sort of come on and talk about that a little bit more. Um, so what really gets you enjoying um, working? I mean, you talk about that on, sometimes you talk about it on your podcast. You mm-hmm. talk about your own hobbies and your own ways to spend time throughout the day. So what really gets you into your love of learning? Um, I suffer from something that I caught from my dad and it's, um, I just believe I can do anything. I think I, um, anything I see someone else doing, I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a tufting course. Now I think I should be able to tuft. Um, it was about two hours of this tufting course, just by the way. Um, you know, I see the other day I was I was looking at a picture. I was like, oh, um, crochet looks like armor. I should crochet armor. I should just learn to crochet and make armor for a costume. Um, and then I'll just figure out how to, you know, make leather gauntlets. And I don't know how to sew. I'll just make the cape. It's fine. I'll just do everything. So um, I just think that I can do anything I want. Um, and I think that that um, means that, I'm sort of driven to learn how to do those things because I already have, I guess, the self-efficacy, the belief that I can do it. So I just need to learn. Yeah, well, that, I mean, you take two hours in Tufton course, you're suddenly an expert. I think that is a great mentality to have as well. I think it's like if you believe you can, then Mm -hmm. you really can do it. Um, Sometimes reality does sneak in when you realize that you can't, but that's that doesn't stop you from learning it, which is great. Uh, The problem is... um, uh, for example, I was like, oh, I can weave. I could totally do that. So I have this little like weaving thing. I spent about half an hour setting it up, um, putting it all together. I started doing it. I was like, ah, oh, this is boring. I don't like this. <laughs> I mean, I spent like a very little time actually learning. And I was just like, I'll just play with it and see what happens. And then I realized I didn't really like it. And so I guess some of it is also, um, you know, I think I can do everything. But, you know, sometimes I'm not interested in in doing everything. Um or the, the interest in learning how to do something um, stops um, unexpectedly. And mm. I think that's um, – so the title of this podcast that I suggested, which no one understood, was The Ebb and Flow of Love of Learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of like um, I think that with hobbies but also with, you know, more academic, more, I guess, important career learning, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, you can be really interested in something one day and then uh, either through, you know, just uh, burnout um, or just lack of interest, you know, it's sort of, it, it ebbs, you know, there's suddenly that interest isn't there mm-hmm. and it'll flow into another area. Um, and I think talking about, um, I guess, how to fix that, if it, you know, and whether it needs to be fixed. Because mm-hmm. um, I think in some things like hobbies, it doesn't necessarily need to be fixed. I think it's fine to, you know, be interested in something else for a while. Mm-hmm. I think that's normal. But sometimes when you're studying at uni, you can't suddenly lose interest um, in something and just not do it anymore. Um, but sometimes it's important to do that because it's showing you that's not actually what you're interested in. So I think, you know, learning a bit more about that is mm-hmm. what we're going to be talking about today. Yes, I think the whole trial and error of of things is a really is a really interesting way of looking at. I mean, for degrees, it's kind of hard to really choose what you want. Even in high school, where it's like you still have to do math and English and science, even though it's not something you're interested in. Mm. I think that's such a. It's going to be so great to be able to talk about this a little bit more and sort of how you go through the ebb and flow mm. of situations and how you sort of deal with that mm-hmm. um, passion or lack of passion or interest or lack of interest in mm-hmm. things. But before we do, we're going to do a little <laughs> um, get to know you. I mean, obviously, I know you and I know some of what you like and some of your interests, but a lot of the audience here doesn't. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go get to know you a little bit. Um, So as you know how it goes, just share the first thing that sort of comes to your head and what you can think of. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one is a favourite book of yours. Okay, so um, this isn't my favourite book, but this is a book I finished reading actually last night. Okay. So it's called um, Iron Widow. It's by Shiran J. Zhao. Mm -hmm. Sorry for the pronunciation. I tried my best. Um, And it's basically, it's um, a book about... I think it's kind of based on like um, Chinese myths and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got this girl who um, she lives in this tiny village and there are these creatures that attack everyone, but they've got these giant mecha things that can protect them. But um, she gets chosen to be um, one of the people who like helps to be in the mecha mm-hmm. things. I'm not really into mecha type so I don't know what their words are. Okay, yeah. Gundam? I don't know. Um, and um, basically follows what she goes through. Um, it turns out she's very powerful. You know, it's a book. They're always really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and her, I guess, um, trying to take control of her life and the obstacles that she has. Um, but And the author's really big on TikTok, so I already knew some of what was going to happen. So I don't think it's a spoiler to say that is a love triangle but it's reciprocal on all sides. Okay. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah, no, that sounds like a really interesting, it's amazing how much you get from a book as well. Like without the visual aspects, mm. you're still able to really, and it's really hard for a lot of books to really come up with a descriptive way of sharing how it goes. And it seems like you got the description of the book really well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I love fantasy. So I just love any fantasy, not any fantasy. I love a lot of fantasy. Okay. All right, that's good to know. Yeah. A little fun note about you now that I'm going to keep <laughs> to myself every time. I, I don't think it's a secret. Like every time I've come on the podcast, I think I've talked about a fantasy book. Okay. I think I've only had you once other one other time okay. before. Okay. So I get a free pass on that part. Okay. okay. <laughs> now, how about the most interesting movie for you? Okay. So I may have talked about this on another podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it again because I think everyone should watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a movie. It's it's a Japanese movie called One Cut of the Dead. Okay. Um, so it's basically um, a movie about 
this cast who are making a zombie movie mm-hmm. and then it turns out they're actually in a zombie apocalypse. Oh. So they're running around like, you know, there's the main character, the main male protagonist, the main female protagonist, but then also the hair and makeup person and they're all running around away from the zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got a camera crew because it was a f- they were filming it already. Okay. But that's only, that's only part of the movie. Um, now, I don't want to spoil anything. My recommendation, my my high, high, high recommendation is that that is all you need to know for now. Mm-hmm. Watch the movie. Um, don't look up anything about it. Yeah, I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> um, because I think the twist is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll just love it. Um, and for anyone who is like me who is very scared of zombies, uh, very scared of horror movies, um, it's worth it. It's not very scary. Okay. Um, like I, I – I, keep watching zombie movies and vampire movies and I keep having nightmares about them. <laughs> but this was fine. <laughs> Is it Japanese, right? It's Japanese. It's amazing how how well they do apocalyptic movies or like horror films and things like that. I feel like the Japanese really have it down with the way that they write and sort of direct the films as well. I've seen a lot of, I've seen two other apocalyptic and um, zombie sort of killing Japanese movies and it's it's always really good. I, I've got to say I've only – I'm trying to think of other Japanese movies I've watched. I can't really remember any except for uh, – I can't remember which one it was. It's the one that – Battle Royale. I've only seen that one. Okay. Um, so I can't speak to whether or not yep. other Japanese movies are yeah, really yeah. good at the apocalypse because <laughs> I haven't watched them. Okay. Well, I think, I think I've seen – Two that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I forgot the names of it. I'm trying to remember the whole time you was walking. I'm like, I cannot remember the name of that. But it will come to me in the worst possible time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think the way that they do it is really cool. Like, I think one of them was based in a high school. Mm-hmm. And the way that they did that was incredible for mm-hmm. me to watch. Um, they did it do it so much, much, so much better than the American way of filming, where it's all dramatized yeah. and there's always, like, a huge love triangle, things like that, like, Japanese really focus on just the elements of the horror element to it, which is mm. so great. Yeah, it's nothing more annoying than the, you know, the they're running away and they're like, no, you must stop. And then they kiss and then they waste like five minutes, yeah. you know, on their... And the zombies are still coming yeah. over to them. Just, just run away, kiss afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it'll be fine. Um, the next one is a recently discovered podcast of yours. So um, I've finished uni recently, so mm-hmm. I've had a bit more time to do some other interesting learning things, Yay! Um, which has been really exciting. Mm-hmm. So um, I did um, previously um, in uni and high school, I did French. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten back into listening to French podcasts to just try and get me back into that because I haven't spoken French for like five, six Ooh. years. Yeah. Eight years, nine years, a long time. Wow. Okay. Um, so I've been listening to the Duolingo French podcast um, and I'm not a huge fan of the way that Duolingo teaches language because I think it misses out on a lot of the grammar and the foundation of the actual language. Mm-hmm. But the Duolingo French podcast is I'm finding really great because it's um, – um, Oh, what's his name? Gofen uh, Mputubwele. So he okay. narrates in English. Yeah. Um, so he explains what's happening um, and he explains words that we maybe we don't know. Um, but then they have someone else who it's their story. They speak it in French. Okay. So if you're not understanding what's happening, you can listen to um, Gofen. 
mm-hmm. but um, you still get to practice your French listening. Okay. And they do an intermediate French. I've always found it very clear, very understandable. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's um, a bit of that love of learning. It's that spark mm-hmm. where I'm like, man, I can actually understand what they're saying. Like, it's so exciting no, to be like, cool. um, I'm not even thinking about the fact that I'm translating it in my head. I yeah. just understand what's happening. And yeah. sometimes I forget that that's a thing I can do. <laughs> so it comes into you like, oh, I actually understand all yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes I forget that other people can't do that. Yeah, I and, can't. Um, I'm like, yeah, I, it just boggles my mind. I yeah. don't know. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that uh, a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am planning on getting back into French. I just need to like get myself into it, yeah. um, find some classes to do. Um, well, that's going to be fun. But yeah. It would be so cool to know another language, mm-hmm. though, and to also have that. I feel like it's a little bit of superiority when you can speak more than one language. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's just like, yeah, I understand this language and another one. <laughs> I got to say it's really fun watching TV shows with my partner and then something will happen in French. <laughs> and they, sometimes I don't have the subtitles and I'm like, oh, this is what they said. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and other times they have the subtitles, but I'm like, oh, that's not what they said. Yeah, the way that the, the I feel like when it comes to Duolingo as well, the way they do it, it's not like how people would say it. Mm. Like the, it's not how they would speak it. Like the slang is not really in there. Yeah. It's very like grammatically correct words, but sometimes the way that it's said mm. is different and it's translated differently. But that's also got to do with like, I don't think you're going to find many French language courses that are teaching you the slang to start off with. Mm. Like they teach you, well, when I was learning, mm-hmm. um, and I think because the French are very particular about their language, um, they will teach you the correct way. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to you afterwards to go and learn it through other means, the mm-hmm. slang and everything. Because I don't think I learned that until probably five or six years into into speaking French mm-hmm. uh, or learning French um, was when I learned some more of slang. And I got to say, I don't really know much slang. Um, yep. My my French is very much like school French. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but if we, like, yeah, it would be such a cool thing to know the grammatically correct and also the way they speak it. Because when mm. you go and ask someone where like a subway station is, for example, you're mm. not going to be like exactly grammatically correct and they can understand you. Sometimes yeah. it'll be like the way that normal locals would be able to say it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way that they would understand how it goes as well. Because mm. I like I went to when I went to Malaysia when I was younger, I learned the grammatically correct way to say things. Mm-hmm. And then I started talking with some of my cousins barely anyone really understood what I was saying. Really? Yeah, because I speak the slang. They speak like um, instead of it is, they said it's or some things like like yeah. small little things like that. And it would be completely different mm. in Malay. But they don't understand you when you... No, because mm. they don't speak, they don't learn, they don't learn by going to school. They learn by um, experiencing it, okay, which is yeah. so different. Mm. We're like someone learning English, like you wouldn't learn English... If you said it is, you'd be like, okay, what the heck are you talking about? But we'd still understand them. If if someone came up and was speaking like very, um, I guess, you know, by the book English, mm. we'd still understand them. Yeah. And we would still be able to con- talk to them. Yeah. Like we, we wouldn't have trouble understanding each other, I think. Yeah. Um, I would, we would probably have to make an effort to speak a bit more clearly and a bit more, use less slang. Mm. Um, but I think for the most part, we'd still understand each other. Yeah. I don't know how it is how it goes in other languages. I, I think, think I just learned the greeting area greeting ways in back in Malay. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I know how to say this, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to keep going the conversation. I know how to start it and end it, and that's it. Did you learn like I don't speak Malay? Yeah. 
I was just like, that's all I got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they all knew that as well. So it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, now to finish off with, what's a favorite course that you've gone through and you've just completed? Yeah. So um, talking about love of learning, mm-hmm. and this is very important. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, doing courses and everything is really great for learning because, um, so I started sewing when mm-hmm. I had, when I had chicken pox and I couldn't leave the house. And my dad was like, you can't just like watch TV all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to learn how to sew. So he took me to, um, spotlight, which is like a fabric store. Even though I had chicken pox, he took me into the store. <laughs> great. Like um, smartest, smartest dad. <laughs> I know. I was just hiding from people like, don't touch me. Keep my hands to myself. <laughs> um, and he got me into sewing then. And um, so, you know, I learned a bunch. I made pajama pants. I made some clothes. And then mm-hmm. eventually I tried making a dress. And uh, I, I made this dress. It was nice. But I forgot to put um, bust room in. Okay. It was the same size as my waist. So I couldn't pull it over my head. Oh, um, okay. And I realized um, I needed a bit more um, – I, I, you know, gotten up to a certain point with my sewing, but I needed an extra push to really make it better. Mm-hmm. And so I enrolled in this course. Um, it's RMIT. It's like a 12-week um, course. It's like two to three hours every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and they teach you the real basics. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit more expensive than like you can find courses where it's like two, three hours and they show you some of the really basic stuff. This was a bit more intensive, um, but it really gave a really great foundation to my sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think about a lot of what I learned then. So it's things like how to measure yourself, what a seam allowance is, how much seam allowance, why you do seam allowance, mm-hmm. um, all of those types of things, how to tailor something to your body. Um, and so that really stepped up my sewing and enabled me to continue after that and make much, much better pieces. Um, obviously after that, you know, I still have to improve a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that mixing in, um, I guess, traditional course learning with your own, um, your own learning, you know, YouTube, mm-hmm. um, books, just experimentation is probably one of the best ways to go about it mm-hmm. because there are ways people do things. There is a reason why people do things, but I think also it's really great to learn yourself and to experiment why. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was a really great course that I did. No, that's really cool. I mean, it's interesting to sort of take something that a hobby that could be ending up in something that you practice sort of occasionally and just do to sort of spare time mm. into something that you do not professionally, but you do it out of your own accord. Like you really just want to learn more about it. Mm. And I mean, there's a lot of courses where it's really cool where you just sort of get the um, a general experience into yeah. what it is. But it's nice to have one that's a little bit more intense where you can really take it to your everyday use. Yeah. So like the Tufting course I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. that was like a two-hour course where they basically did everything for you. You did, They just kind of handed you the gun and mm-hmm. you like got to do it. Yep. That's fun to start off something, try something, but it's not going to give you the foundation to actually start doing it yourself because mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot more knowledge. Like they glued everything, they cut everything for us. I feel like those are really integral skills if you're actually wanting to do it for yourself. Yes. So what I liked about this course was that it really laid the foundations for everything you'll need going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Same mm-hmm. with when I did pottery. Like basically mm-hmm. they just helped me put everything on, set it up, know exactly how much to make for, how much um, clay to use for a mug and then kilned it put in the kiln and that's it and then I was just like 
I would have loved to learn that a bit more yeah. and know what the wheel meant, what the wheel did, how to sort of make the wheel work for you, not just them, you know, being like a ghost moment where they're just basically controlling it all for me anyway. Mm. So, yeah, it, I can see how it definitely takes an interest into mm. being more useful yeah. skill than just like a little hobby. And I think it's um, – they both serve really great purposes mm-hmm. um, because – you know, if you don't know any, if you don't know if you like sewing, going on a twelve-week, eight hundred-dollar course, no. yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah, you don't know if you're going to like it. You don't know if it. Also, a sewing machine costs quite a bit of money. Yes, it takes up quite a bit of space. So it's not something you're going to just. You know, it's good to have a place to go and do a hundred-dollar course for two hours, um, just to see if you like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think after that, after you know that you like it a little bit, it's also worth investing in a course that's a that's a bit more rigorous mm-hmm. and is going to yeah lay that foundation for your skills. Yeah, no. Mm. And that fits in really well with today's episode mm-hmm. and with sort of our ebb and flow focus mm-hmm. of the well-being show that we're talking about today. Now, as you're on the well-being show, we're also we hear the word well-being quite a lot mm-hmm. in the show and in our everyday life, but everyone's definition of well-being is really different. Mm-hmm. So, to you, how would you see what your definition of well-being is. Mm. Yeah, so I was thinking about this a bit. Mm. Um, for, for me, well-being is just um, – I was thinking about it, you know, when you're sick, when you've got a blocked nose mm-hmm. um, and you're like, why did I never appreciate the fact that my nose was unblocked? Mm-hmm. I think that well-being is when your nose is unblocked. Okay. Like you don't really appreciate it, but it's basically like nothing's wrong. Yeah. And you feel fine. Um, okay. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I can see how see how that works. Like that analogy was really good mm-hmm. in terms of what it is. And I think especially when it comes to our appreciate, we don't appreciate like the moment that everything is fine, everything is calm, we don't have a stress thing to worry about. Our brain is not really there to mm. not stress about something. Yeah. We would find something to stress about even though things are mm. fine. And I think well-being I think from what you're saying well-being is really much in that space where everything is fine yeah and I think um well-being also it encompasses you know mental health physical health mm-hmm. um also you know like how you going with your relationships with your work life as well mm-hmm. I think it encompasses everything that it, that makes you and how you interact with the world and how you exist mm-hmm. yeah and so what are some misconceptions that you sort of hear about well-being and what it is um, I would probably say that it's probably that everyone has to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only one way. It's like with diet, uh, you know, um, some people say you have to eat lots of meat. Some people say no meat. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reality is um, that um, it's all individual. Mm-hmm. Some people need more of something or less of something or it feels good when they do this or it doesn't feel good when they do that. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that it's more about finding what works for you and what makes you feel good or you feel fine mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, trying, you know, saying, oh, this is what this person I look up to does, so I have to do that. I think it's fine to try what other people are doing because, you know, that's how you discover new things, that's how you discover what works for you. Mm-hmm. But sticking to something religiously because um, that's what you think it's supposed to be is not going to work for you. So talking about well-being and we're sort of talking about our love of learning, we introduced that a little bit more um, into the show, but how would you go ahead and describe what 
love of learning is to you? Mm. Um, so I came back to uni um, last year mm-hmm. um, after quite a bit of a break and I discovered that it was really fun. I really enjoyed reading things, learning things, um, having to self-motivate and um, study. Mm-hmm. So I would say that is love of learning. It's the joy of discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the feeling of expanding your brain because you're um, learning new things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that is, for me, at least love of learning. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And I think it fits in really well with the ebb and flow that mm. we were sort of mentioning a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've Googled this all night since last night and I'm Googling it today. And I know that it's something that a concept that is not really well talked about and mm. is not really understood as to what it is. So can you explain a bit more what ebb and flow is for me and the people listening who have no idea what that is? Okay, so I, I did come up with this myself. Oh, just by the way, I am not an expert in anything. Um, yeah. little so disclaimer. This is the disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, I am here to talk about my own experiences mm-hmm. and how I find um, the love of learning works for me. Um, so you know, try something out if you want to try something out that I recommend. Um, but again, I'm not an expert. Don't look for me for, for studies. <laughs> you can test her, but like, yeah, don't get yeah. asked. Um, basically. So I'm going to talk about what it means for me. So I mm-hmm. actually came up with this idea myself, okay. the ebb and flow. So ebb and flow means like they're coming and going. It's like with the ebb and flow of the tide. Mm-hmm. So I personally find that um, my my interest in learning different things comes and goes depending on what I'm doing with my life. Mm-hmm. So ebb means to recede. Um, so that's when I'm less interested in something. Um, whereas the flow is like, you know, when it comes into something. Mm-hmm. So I tend to find that um, with hobbies in particular, um, I'll be really interested in one thing and I'm going to be less interested in something else Mm -hmm. at at any point in my life. So for ages, I was really into sewing and I wasn't really interested in anything else. So it's just sewing. I really liked it. Mm -hmm. And then because my life circumstances changed a bit, I started uni. I couldn't get my sewing machine out. It was really hard. Um, And because of that, I found that my interest in sewing reduced, Mm -hmm. but my interest in knitting um, increased Okay, because knitting is something that I can do for 10 minutes um, yeah, anywhere you are. Anywhere I yeah. am. I can do it on the train. And she did do it anywhere she was as well. Yeah, I did it in <laughs> many meetings. <laughs> so, um, and I think that that's natural. I don't think um, that, I don't think we're meant, I personally have not found that if I try to stick with a hobby for too long, I get really uninterested and I'm really not interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I tried to force myself to if I try to force myself to sew because I want to finish something, the result generally isn't as good as I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart isn't in it. Mm-hmm. And I find that with a lot of projects. Um, so it's kind of figuring out what works for you, what doesn't work for you at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that's the ebb and flow. But I also yeah. find that with you know, more academic things as well, so university, and I'll talk about that in a bit as well. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like when an author – really okay they have like a deadline Mm -hmm. to finish a book yeah for example and they sort of get that creative block that's a like ebb and flow part of it where they're writing they got in that big hype of writing and suddenly they really lose interest in the theme that Mm. they're going for so they have that creative block because there's that lack of interest in Mm. it lack of 
wanting to figure out how to end the book. And then they might come up with another idea. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I want to write this book instead. Yeah. I feel like that's me constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times I've started and finished writing a book and sort of stopped in the middle of it and ended being like, I don't know why I started writing this in the first yeah. place. And I think that some of it, I, I think some sometimes you need to, you know, persevere and mm -hmm finish something that you've started, you need to find out how to increase the interest. Mm -hmm. um, but other times um, there is a reason why you're not that interested in something mm -hmm. and it's actually fine to let something go. So I think it's about finding that balance. Mm -hmm. So how does your ebb and flow really relate to your love of learning and mm. to your the interest that you sort of get in each hobby that you have yeah. sort of figured out? Um, or as I said, um, yeah, just... Um, I'll be, you know, doing something or, you know, I'll be scrolling on social media mm -hmm. and I'll suddenly see something and I'll be like, oh, gosh, that's really cool. I want to know how to do that. Um, and then I'll get really into it and I'll research a whole bunch. So last year I had COVID and I was bored. I was on social media because I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I learned I was I found Hanfu, which is a traditional type of Chinese clothing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that's so cool. I really want to learn. I really want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to. Um, learn how to make those clothing and then get to dress in traditional Chinese clothing. Mm -hmm. That'd be really cool. Um, Cause that combines my interest in Chinese culture mm -hmm. uh, with my interest in sewing um, and bringing my own flair into that. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for maybe a week <laughs> and I did a lot of research. I was like, you know, finding patterns. I was looking up the history of all the different ones. I was comparing the different types of Hanfu mm -hmm. Um and then I just kind of um, lost interest in that. Mm -hmm. um, I think because I'd started uni and I just didn't really have the time to do the research. Mm -hmm. um, I had other things to to le love learning. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. sort of like you get into a spiral of it until yeah. you absolutely cannot take this anymore and then you just stop. Um, I would say it's more like... Um, you're really interested in something and then you find something else that you're really interested in. Okay. It's like a switching. Okay. Yeah. So like there's no break. There's sort of like I jump from one thing to another. Sometimes there is a bit of a break, particularly after. So I do this as well with university. I would say at, to a lesser degree because, um, you know, university is generally a bit harder, but you also have to work a bit harder at mm -hmm. it as well. Um, but I find after I finish a really intensive, you know, unit or I finish, um, the whole course afterwards, I, I feel very blank. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there. I don't feel inter interest in anything. <laughs> so it's like sort of, you take that mind break for a bit. Yeah. I think it's almost like, um, I've used all of my interest in anything. Okay. It's also a bit of like a burnout depression thing. Yeah. Like, um, I tend to, you know, I, I don't think it's uncommon to finish university or finish a really hard project and just be a bit burnt out, a bit depressed because you've, you've put a lot of work into something you, um, haven't had time to do a lot of the things that make you well. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can affect your mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, and I know that, you know, part of depression and burnout is you just lose interest in things. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's sort of the ebb. That's where you lose that interest in doing anything really. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to spend a bit of time afterwards trying maybe a few different projects mm -hmm. to try and figure out what's going to make you happy again. Yeah. Because I think, again, with well-being, I don't know about anyone else, but if I'm not doing something that I'm enjoying, mm -hmm. 
I'm it, number one, it's affecting my mental health. I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think it's a sign of my men- mental health. Mm-hmm. If I'm not interested in doing anything, that's usually a sign that it's, I'm not well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, how do you maintain that balance? Like, from mm-hmm. your own personal experience, yeah. Uh, to disclaim again, you're not a full expert at this, but you are sort of have that practice yourself. Mm-hmm. So, how do you find you maintain a balance between embracing the ebb? And also actively pursuing new skills and new passions. So I think it depends a bit on whether you're, um, you know, maybe doing something a bit more important like a career thing or a hobby. Mm-hmm. I think for a hobby it's um, less important to actively finish projects mm-hmm. um, because the whole point of a hobby is to be happy, to have fun doing something. And if you're not finding that something is bringing you happiness, mm-hmm. I don't really see what the point is okay. of doing it. Yeah. So like it's like when you're sewing something and it's really frustrating you and you're not just you're just not enjoying it is it really worth pursuing that particularly if the result is something you're not going to enjoy mm-hmm. also sometimes i find with those types of projects it's best to step back leave it when you're frustrated and then come back when you're not frustrated with it mm-hmm. and you'll be able to make a better decision about what to do there um but with something like university it's a bit harder because um you don't want to get you know um almost to the end of your course and not want to finish it. Yeah. In some ways, it's just better to finish it. Yeah. There's sort of that necessity of like yeah. needing to finish it. At the same time, you might get to partway through your course and realize you're actually not interested. You don't want to do this as a course. Is it worth pursu- persisting in that case mm-hmm. and completing it? And I think that in that case, you're going to want to take a step back for a few days and think about what you actually want to do, mm. whether or not it's going to be worth Completing it or not completing it. Yeah. Um, Are you less interested in it because you're just burned out, you're tired, you need a break? Mm -hmm. In that case, take a break, come back to it Mm -hmm. if you can. Yeah. Or just even if it's just a day or two where you just have time to relax and do something fun and then come back to it. Um, On the other hand, you know, if you get halfway through something and you're like, this isn't what I want to do. This is really not what I want to do. And you spend a few days figuring out whether it's just burnout or if it's actually not what you want to do, mm-hmm. then maybe it's worth stepping back and trying something else. Yeah. So I think it's about, again, well-being, taking time to um, stepping back and figuring out who you are, what you want, um, reflecting on how it's going to affect you, mm. um, and then making a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if I stayed in my teaching course, I would be a teacher now instead of sitting right here. Yeah. So there's that huge change of um, sometimes trial and error is needed. Yeah. And I'm glad that I took a one-year degree, like, certificate instead of, like, a full degree. Otherwise, because I'm not that person that would just stop halfway, Mm. would just, like, halfway and be like, okay, you know, I'm not interested in it, so I'm not going to keep going. Mm. I would be – that's why I'm glad I took that. So I could see if that's really what I wanted to do. And that made me realize that um, I didn't want to pursue teaching. I didn't Mm. want to be a teacher. That's not what my whole life goal is to be. So that's that huge interest. And like similar to what you're doing with the um, knitting, was it knitting? Was that the one of the courses where you're talking about doing a short course first, like a beginner course, and then Mm. jumping into the more intense learning aspect of it? Yeah. So that's the same thing. which is also knowing yourself and knowing um, 
if you are really interested or if you're not sure about something and maybe just testing the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, yeah, what you did was really great, which is, you know, not committing to a three-year course and a lot of student debt. Yes. Um, yes. But rather than doing, you know, a mini course that maybe you can apply somewhere else. So yeah. I think it's mostly about taking the time to think about who you are, what you want, what is out there. Mm-hmm. For example, you can't take a one-year course if no one-year course exists. Yeah, no, that's true. Um <laughs> And I guess spending some time not doing anything, but also just planning, mm-hmm. um, writing things down, talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can, talk to people who have the same experience. Um, I, I'm doing a psychology, or I just finished my psychology course. Yay. And yay. <laughs> and I... Um, really wanted to speak to someone who was doing this course. Um, I didn't find anyone, mm. but something that really frustrates me um, or frustrated me was I was looking at a couple of different courses and none of them, I could really find someone to talk to about what the actual um, work was like. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause so I studied um, journalism when I um, finished high school. Yeah, I did that for three and a half years. I finished and I kind of realized I didn't really want to be a journalist. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm here doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, I love doing the podcast, but I think that um, that really, st- that journalism life, TV news, mm-hmm. um, radio, it's very intense. It's very hard. You have to be a certain type of person. I've, I kind of realized at the end, I'm not that person. Yeah. Um, and I felt bad about that. So you and took so, that degree in something you're like, yeah. that's not something I want to do. So I think it was hard because, um, you know, I finished learning and I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and I wish I'd spoken to someone before that to find out what the job was really like. Mm-hmm. At the same time, now I've been able to pivot it into something that I really love. I love podcasts. Yeah. Um, and I've been able to turn that degree into something that's useful. But it did take me like five years to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're doing psychology. You finished psychology yeah. now. I mean, mm-hmm. for now. Yeah. And then. Um, Never finishes. <laughs> feels like you're always learning it. Yeah. Um, but that sort of changed from journalism psychology mm-hmm. as well. It must have been like you took some time to really figure out that that's like psychology is really what you wanted to learn and what you wanted to study. Yeah. And. So how did that change? I mean, that's sort of similar to what we're talking about mm. in the next question, which some of the obstacles yeah. that sort of take place. Mm. Like that was one of the challenges yeah. that you had to do and sort of change your way of thinking and change what you wanted to do. Yeah. So how did you sort of overcome that obstacle and that challenge? So this uh, psychology diploma that I've just completed is not the first one I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, they're part of like stepping stones to get to eventually, a, hopefully a psychology master's and becoming a psychologist. Mm-hmm. The first one I did, um, I kind of felt pushed into it by my parents. Okay. So I'd finished journalism. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. My parents really wanted me to study, um, do further study. They wanted me to do like master's or something. Mm-hmm. But you know, so I looked at doing journalism, but I wasn't really sure about the journalism master's because it's basically the same thing as the journalism uh, bachelor's. Yeah. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. So um, eventually I settled on doing psychology because I really liked psychology mm-hmm. um, in uni. And I just felt like I had to do something. My parents were pushing me to do something and I had to do something. Okay. So I did it and it was not great. <laughs> I... um. I was a lot younger than every, 
I felt a lot younger than everyone else doing the course, so I felt really out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really the right start, like the learning style wasn't really right for what I was used to. Okay. So I finished that course and I was like, I hate this. This was the worst. i never doing this again because mm-hmm. um, it was all online. It was part-time. Um, yeah. So I didn't have that interaction with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the self-motivation really hard. Um and it honestly just, I'd, I'd studied for like six years at that point And I was just like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this, even though there's a lot more steps if I want to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So I finished that and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I started a business with a friend um, and kind of just did um, not nothing, but tried a few different things out during like a three, four year period. Mm-hmm. Then COVID happened, couldn't do anything then anyway. Yeah. Okay. So... That's my excuse anyway. <laughs> he used but that in that time, um, I learned a bit more about myself. I was, um, so the business I started didn't go well because, you know, it's the first business. I don't think most first businesses work. No. That's fine, honestly. Yeah. Um, I was working in a pharmacy and I discovered I really liked helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, just helping people, I don't know, cure their warts. Great. Love it. <laughs> Um, honestly though, um, (laughs) like being able to help people is something that really, I really enjoy. Yeah. And during the, during, uh, COVID I saw people's mental health take a dip. My mental health took a dip. Mm -hmm. Uh, people I know couldn't get into see psychologists, even though they really, really needed it Mm -hmm. because there just were no psychologists. And I was thinking about what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, and I was like, well, I have this psychology diploma, I I like helping people. I find psychology really interesting. Maybe Mm -hmm. I should go back and study again. Mm -hmm. And so I came back to this diploma with a a more maturity, I think, knowing instead of having my parents push me into something I didn't really want to do, reflecting on who I am, what I want, um, and then coming back into study Mm -hmm. was was so much better. Um, As I said, I think earlier, um, I started studying and I started learning again. And it was like my whole brain exploded because Mm -hmm. it was so, um, I just loved learning. I loved learning about things Mm -hmm. and I loved, um, you know, discovering a new idea and being able to apply it into so many different options and knowing this is what I could do with my future. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's about, you know, um, finding what you want to do and, Fitting that with who you are, um, I think it takes time because, you know, we don't know who we are when you when we're younger, mm-hmm. particularly as teenagers. I mean, getting kids to choose what they want to do is when they're in year ten. Come on, guys. No, exactly. <laughs> it's not going to work. Even the way that TAFE goes here yeah. in Australia as well is sort of like I think that's a good way of mm. doing it. Like, do a TAFE course in the middle of high yeah. school. Mm. But in the middle of year 12, you're still doing a TAFE course. It's kind of, oh, it's an overload. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was that's sort of the ebb and flow of my love of psychology. Mm-hmm. And then I think as, again, you know, as things get hard, you get a bit burnt out, you need some time to take a break because it's certainly not as fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happened, again, with that first part where I had to take f- four years off mm-hmm. because I'd really just, you know, having to read extremely complicated um, journal articles mm. and then regurgitate it onto a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, that was um, hard and I needed a break from that. But I think, 
yeah, coming back to that later on, Mm -hmm. I loved it. Yeah. I love doing that. I think it's also the environment as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the environment and life situation, Mm -hmm. like you're saying a little bit more mature now, you sort of look at it in a different scope than what you used to. Mm -hmm. And I think that really plays an impact on how you see the course and how you see your life going as Mm -hmm. well, especially with, um, I mean, from your parents pushing you into doing psychology Mm -hmm. to you really finding a way of it working out in your personality and the the idea of helping other mm. people, I think it definitely changes the aspect of why you wanted to do it. Yeah, you're reframe, reframing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So talking about that a little bit more and talking about how to stay motivated, I think mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things to do. So what way do you try to stay motivated and engaged when learning becomes challenging or even uh, just a little bit tedious? Yeah. So I think a um, few things there. So if you're talk, just talking about a hobby, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you – oh, no, sorry. So it's just, just stepping back. If you can break it down into, like, smaller bits. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, I've only got to think do this for three weeks or mm-hmm. I've only got to do this for this amount of time. Sometimes it's going to be easier than being like, I've got to do this for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can help you stay motivated um, just to get to the end of something. Breaking yep. it down into smaller parts, into smaller manageable parts. Mm-hmm. Not setting your um, goals too high. I – I want to do well. I want to get top 100% marks. Uh-huh. But you know what? Sometimes it's fine to just pass. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. if something's really hard. Yeah. Um, I had one unit, which was um, uh, stats, mm-hmm. uh, statistics. Mm-hmm. And man, the first week I cried yeah. because I just had no idea what was happening. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to, f- I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to get, you know, the marks that I want. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to pass this one. Mm-hmm. I just need to pass. I don't need to actually learn the whole stats textbook, I just need to learn the exact bits that I need to do to pass this course. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. I did that. And you know what? I Everything else I'm doing really well in. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if something's really hard, you just need to focus on what you actually need to know. Yeah. And just do that. Don't need to do anything else. Yeah. And same thing with hobbies as well. Like, um, But with hobbies, you can sometimes put them down mm. and mature and learn and try other things so I had a sewing project and I had to re-sew everything so many times. And I realized, you know what, this pattern number one isn't particularly good. Mm-hmm. Number two, my skills aren't quite high enough mm-hmm. to actually do this project right now. I need to go and do a few more things first mm-hmm. and then come back to it. I still haven't come back to it. <laughs> You're still taking that break. I'm still taking yeah. the break. Um, the other thing with sewing is if you get frustrated, you're end up going to end up doing something wrong and you have to redo it and you're going to get more frustrated and you're going to do something wrong. And sometimes it's better to step away. Yeah. Um, refresh your mind and then come back to something. Yeah. That's, um, that's how I do. Like I've got a crossword book that mm-hmm. I bought from Kmart, yeah. actually no, from Target. Mm-hmm. And it's just got like these little, fine little crosswords, fine little words and sort of make it work. Um and I take that with me wherever. There's not usually a place where I'm actually doing it, but I find myself if I'm on the way to something stressful, like if I'm on the way to work, or if I'm on the way to uni, that's something that I bring with me everywhere. And you can mm-hmm. see me put headphones on and just do that for a mm-hmm. bit, but I can easily step away if I'm yeah. not like able to find where it is, um, able to find what word it is, what the language is. So it tests my brain without really like... Mm 
pushing it too much and yeah. I know that I can step away from it. Mm. There is this one moment where I got so stressed, stressed out because I was reading a book and I highlighted the wrong thing I was supposed to highlight. I closed the book and just ended up doing the crossword all the way on the train because mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the least stressful thing that I can do yeah. to sort of take my mind off of everything. Mm. And, you know, I think staying motivated and engaged is such a, especially if you're doing like a long, long course, if you're doing mm. something that's not really interesting to you, but you know, you sort of need to get that one subject yeah. done. I always like, it was saying earlier, it's take a step back for a second. Yeah. Take a step back, do something else and then come back to it. Yeah. That is not good for a brain of, of um, procrastination brain. Yeah. Because you end up taking a, taking a break until the last week where it's due. But um, sometimes it works. I think maybe, I think taking a break is really important. Hmm. Um, I think maybe setting a time limit <laughs> to that helps to stop the procrastination. Yep. Um, or like getting someone to help you be accountable to that. Yeah. Um, is really important. Um, I think the other thing is also um, letting go of things you don't need to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I just finished uni. I've said that many times. Uh, for my last unit, um, I was getting a little bit stressed. I was like, this is really important that I finish this. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I try and do everything right now, I'm going to cry. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be frustrated um, and it's not going to go well. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I told work, I said, hey, I'm only going to work 10 hours instead of 20 hours. And then I came to terms with the fact that my house was going to be dirty <laughs> and that maybe I was going to eat eggs on toast a bit more than usual. Yep. But that me taking time off to watch TV and knit was more important than me having a tidy house because that time where I'm knitting and watching TV is when I'm having a, it was when I'm taking a break, it's when I'm relaxing. And that's really important mm -hmm. for my mental health and for how I work. Um, and so sometimes it's fine to to do that, mm -hmm. I think. And it it helped me stay motivated. I was I don't think I lost motivation that entire time, um, the last six weeks of my course, mm -hmm. because um, if I did get frustrated with uni, mm -hmm. I could actually just take a step back and say, okay, for the rest of the evening, I'm going to follow my washing and watch TV. Yeah. It's fine because I have time tomorrow to do my assignment. Yeah. Because tomorrow I'm only working four hours, not eight hours. Yeah. So um, if something's really important, you've got to make space in your life mm -hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't try and jam everything in there. You can't do everything. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got to prioritize what's important. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think that's such a good way to sort of end mm. today's topic and then slide in perfectly with the open mic. Yeah. And we're going to spend that time doing open mic on promoting both of the shows <laughs> because we couldn't think of a topic to end the show on. So we're going to go and sort of talk about the two shows, the four shows that we mm -hmm. host, um, two shows each. Yeah. So, Gabriella, go ahead and sort of talk about your two shows first. So I do love how I have just said that I didn't clean my house for six weeks and it was a mess. <laughs> and I basically gave up on that because my two shows um, are Room by Room, which is the home organization podcast, and um, On the House, which is the household uh, management podcast. So we talk about things like how to organize your house to make it more efficient and better for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and how to do things in your house to keep it clean and how to keep it, you know, running and, um, running efficiently. Mm -hmm. So these are things like, um, you know, how do you place your furniture so that it's, uh, works for you or, 
um, you know, how do you cook nutritious meals and how do you plan that into your life? <laughs> and I feel like I really left that in the dust for this, um, for these six weeks that I was finishing my course. Yeah, well, it's um, well-being as well. But it's also well-being. Yeah. And I think that something I've learned from the experts that I have talked to is that it's okay not to do everything. Yeah. Like it's sometimes okay to take shortcuts. Um, yeah. You don't have to make everything from scratch when you're cooking. Um, Lifesaver. Like it's it's about figuring out what works for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, your life changes day to day, week to week, year to year. And yeah. not everything that worked, you know, um, last year is going to work for you. My favorite thing is everyone talks about Marie Kondo, you know, the um, tidying method. Yes. I saw an article, um, you know, so she's very well known for having a very organized house um, and organizing everything really efficiently and beautifully. Mm -hmm. Apparently she had a kid mm -hmm. and she can no longer do that. Yeah. She doesn't have time for it anymore. No. And it's on one hand, it's kind of funny because obviously that method doesn't work, I guess, for everyone. Mm -hmm. And she was selling it as it works for everyone. Yeah. On the other hand, I think it's really relatable that you can be really organized in one time of your life and then sometimes it doesn't work other times. Yeah. And you've got to try something else. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's such an interesting aspect as well to sort of really just deal with that. Like I when I, I saw that article as well and I think I saw her on an interview where she said that, you know, it's so different. Like the house is usually just now just full of kids' toys mm -hmm. everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. And that's such a normal thing because it's like, okay, life grows, you change your mm. sort of way of doing things, your time mm. is different. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part when it comes to well-being and uni and hobbies and all that things. Like your yeah. hobbies change, it takes up more space. Yeah. Like the sewing, like a sewing machine takes up a whole corner yeah. of a house. Oh. <laughs> Not just a whole corner. <laughs> no, but like the stuff that goes along with it, yeah. the things that you make at the end of it, mm. it takes up space. And yeah. that's, you know, you're not always, like books as well. Yeah. I think books are always going to take up space because you're always going to be wanting to read books. Yeah. So that's another thing. Yeah. And then to sort of slide on, there was nothing to sort of slide onto that to my shows because it's too, totally different. Yeah. But on my two shows, I talk about family and parenting. So family isn't altogether is my altogether podcast where we talk about family situations such as family estrangement and sort of the communication between family members um while also parenting which is my raising parents podcast swap that which is uh, raising parents which is my parenting podcast um, we talk about all situations of parenting and sort of deal with situations on how to really raise children in a way that's an open environment and try to become balancing the idea of being friends with them while also being a mentor to them and the different ways that experts sort of deal with parenting situations that come about. So yeah, if you want to see either of our podcasts, um, they'll be down in the link in the description down below and you can easily find it. Um, we'll have a way of you know, guiding you to our show so you can see it, but also definitely go and give us a follow and go follow us on social media and things like that. And then you'll easily find us there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, if you liked what you heard today, yes, you'll get something very different in our shows, but hopefully as good, if not better. Yes. And don't worry, Lou will be back. <laughs> so she'll have my back guiding you guys to well-being and a better life as well. So we'll definitely hear her perspective. We miss you, Lou. So come back now. <laughs> But um, yes, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you all in the next episode. You've been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL 
the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at we.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo. Thanks for tuning in.